The Thirtieth Book of Orlando Furioso. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Orlando Furioso by Ludovico Ariosto. Translated by Sir John Harrington. Book Thirty. The Argument. Strange feats by mad Orlando are achieved. Fierce Mandricard is by Rogero slain. Himself so hurt that all the camp believed he had been dead the foremost of the twain. His love, with his long absence, sore is grieved, To break his word, his wounds to him constrain. Rinaldo, with his kinsfolk and his friends, To set his prince at liberty intends. When men with wrath and sudden pangs of ire Permit themselves to be o'erwhelmed and drowned, And hot revenge that burns like flaming fire Moves hearts to hurt or tongues or hands to wound, Though after to amend it they desire, yet place of pardon seldom can be found. Ah, worthy ladies, I do you beseech to pardon that my former foolish speech. For I am grown like a diseased man, that when he finds by physic no relief, and now no more with patience suffer can the burning torture of his lingering grief, doth fall to rave and rage and curse and ban, blaspheming God, renouncing his belief. But when that fit is past, then would he fain, but, ah, uh, he cannot call it back again. Yet, ladies, of your clemency, I hope I pity shall not only pardon find, although I somewhat swerve from reason's scope, and rash words flow from unadvised mind, she only bears the blame that slays my hope, and for true service shows herself unkind. That I did speak was partly of compassion with sympathy moved of Orlando's passion, who, as I partly did before declare, in monstrous sort surveyed Marsilio's reign, and wrought great woe, great danger, and great care to all the then inhabitants of Spain. I told you how he drew the silly mare tied to his leg till she was dead with pain, and how he had so small sense in his head he drew her after him when she was dead. But coming to a great deep running water, he was constrained to let her there abide, and, for he swims as perfect as an otter, he quickly passed to the other side, where then a herdman came his beasts to water, and on a kirtle he himself did ride. And though he saw the madman and did view him, yet being naked, he would not eschew him. The madman prayeth him that he would spare his horse, that they two might together cope. I left, quoth he, on t'other side my mare, and fast about her neck I left a rope. I left her dead, but yet with heed and care of her recovery there is good hope. The herdman laugheth at his senseless words, and unto him no answer he affords. Ho, saith Orlando, fellow, dost not hear? I must thy kirtle have, thou needst not laugh. And with that word approaching somewhat near, the crabbed herdman, with a crab-tree staff, gave him a bastinado on his ear, which put the mad earl into such a chaff, that with his fist he made the herdman reel, till pain itself made him no pain to feel. This done, he leapeth on the horse's back, and at adventure on he takes his way, where ere he comes he putteth all to rack, his horse tastes neither provender nor hay, but, though this tired, a horse he may not lack, the next he meets by force he takes away. To strive with him it was but little boot, he is resolved not to go afoot. He passeth to the straits of Zibaltar, 
or Zivolterra, call it which you will, and as he went, with force of open war, towns he did burn, and all the dwellers kill, ten years will hardly make that he would mar within one hour, and thus he travelled still, till on a day riding upon the sand, he saw a ship new loosed from the land. The air was clear and mild and calm the weather, and certain gentlefolk had hired the bark, with mind to take their solace there together, and to return again ere it were dark. The man-man cries, Ho, sirs, let me come thither. His deeds, his words, they neither mark nor hark, or if they did, you may be sure they thought they would not cumbered be with such a fraud. He hallows after them, and hoops and hails, to have them stay, and with fair words doth woo them. Glad might they be they went with oars and sails, for might he come, he surely would undo them. The fool that sees how small his speech prevails, beats on his horse, and means to ride unto them. In vain his horse would shun this hard adventure, but he perforce makes him the sea to enter. First he his feet doth wet, and then his knees, and next his belly, after that his back. Now scant his nose one in the water seas, and still he lays him on, poor horse alack, that either in these seas his life must lease, or swim to Afric ere he can turn back. At last, with swimming tired, with water cloyed, his belly filled till limbs of life were void. The horse unto the bottom quickly sunk, and had for company his burthen drowned, if fortune, that helps frantic men and drunk, had not him safe conveyed to Afric ground. Orlando at the danger never shrunk, but to the shore he swam both safe and sound. It happy was the seas were then so still, else had the earl been drowned for all his skill. Now being safe arrived at the shore, near Seta Strait, he ranged o'er the coast, and did such deeds as he had done before on t'other side, to many poor men's cost. At last, he came whereas he found great store of warlike weapons, and a mighty host. But how with them this madman disagreed, I may not in this book to tell proceed. And further, how Angelica the fair did meet her love again, and what a lord he grew by matching with so great an heir, and lived with her in love and sweet accord, although in birth an unfit matched pair, I leave for other muses to record. For now I must address myself to tell what haps in Agramante's camp befell. I told you two books past thereabout, how Mandricard was Doralise's choice, and how in face of all that pagan rout she gave that doom that made him much rejoice. For she was deemed for beauty, out of doubt, the best in Europe by the common voice, now chief since fair Angelica was fled and worthy Isabella lost her head. But yet this pleasure was not so entire, but that it sauced was with some annoy, for wrath and envy set his heart on fire, and much abated of his present joy. It spites him that Rogero dare aspire to give his coat, being a beardless boy, and further that the king of Saracane should openly lay claim to Durandane. And first Rogero will by no means yield, by no entreaty, nor by no request, that Mandricard should carry that same shield which had the argent eagle on the crest, except he first could win it in the field. On t'other side Gradasso doth not rest, but he will be the first to try by fight which of them two had to the sword most right. With agreement Marsilio took great pain in all or part these quarrels to appease. 
but when they saw their labor was in vain to govern or persuade with one of these the chance quoth agramant shall make that plain for which you strive and even as fortune please so let it be and let some lots be cast which two or three shall fight the first or last and yet this just request deny me not before the matter any further goeth though now you be so violent and hot that speech of peace and all accord you loath to grant that who shall combat first by lot may leasing lease and winning win for both this motion most indifferent must seem sith both their values equal we esteem this motion neither of them do mislike and straight Cridasso's and Rogero's name upon two scrolls were writ so passing like, you would have judged them both to be the same. A boy of fourteen year of age they piked to draw the lot, and he that first out came must fight with Mandricard, and make it known he fights for t'other's title and his own. When on this order all parts were agreed, the lot to fight upon Rogero fell, which hap great grief did in Gradasso breed, although in show he seemed to take it well contrariwise it did all joy exceed the joy rogero had it so befell so well of his own value he believed he joyed at that at which the other grieved but yet cradasso doth with great regard both favor and advance rogero's side and showeth him how he must lie to ward a coming blow how he might slip aside how for a thrust he may be best prepared which blows be firm and which be falsified when best time is to follow thrust or blow how one may best take vantage of his foe the rest of that same day that did remain ensuing this same course of casting lots they spent as pleased each man's private vein in talk or banqueting or tossing pots to see this fight the people glad and fain clamour the scaffolds gazing still like sots some for delight to come by break of day and some all night within the place to stay thus as i say these simple fools do long to see the combat these brave knights betwixt and blame the stay and think the time too long that for the same the heralds had prefixed but sober men that knew what did belong to such exploits whose wiser heads were fixed on public good this quarrel much lament and travelled all they can it to prevent the chief marsilio and sabrino sage advised king agramant to stay the fight and these same champions fury to assuage and to take up the quarrel if they might for warning him when they must battle wage with charles of france the loss of one such knight will do him greater hurt and damage then than would the loss of thousands other men but agramant knew all was true they spoke and fain he would their counsel wise obey but could not tell his grant how to revoke only he doth in courteous sort them pray that they may strike with them so great a stroke either to end or to defer the fray and yield the rather unto his persuasion because it rose upon so light occasion or if they did esteem such toys so far as though they matters were of true renown that yet they would the fight so long defar until the son of pippin were put down and till they conquered had the realm by war and tain from him his mantle and his crown this motion had in likelihood taken place save each thought first consent would be disgrace above them all and more than all the rest that in this sort their speech in vain had spent fair dorilus doth mandricard request that to the king's desire he would assent she doth exhort entreat persuade protest 
she doth complain and languish and lament to think that by his over hasty collar she still must live in anguish and in dolor how can i hope said she that ere i shall live any hour in solace and in joy when still i see you ready be to brawl with every man for every trifling toy the sarsen's foil doth me no good at all my choice of you hath bred me more annoy to end that quarrel ah, ah what did it boot sith straight another quarrel is on foot i simple fool in mind was proud and glad that such a prince so brave a man as you for love of me his whole state ventured had but now i find by this that doth ensue that i had far more reason to be sad sith each like cause like danger doth renew and not my love but your own native fury to bide such hard adventures did procure ye but if your love be such as in your speech you do profess and in your open show then by that love i humbly you beseech and by that fancy which too well i know doth even my heart and soul with love bewitch let not this quarrel any further grow i see not why it should you so molest to see your eagle in another's crest if needs you will attempt this hardy feat and vent her life upon a thing so vain the hazard that you make must needs be great but none or very small can be the gain but if that fortune change her fickle seat think then oh think what woe shall i sustain there never yet was emperor or king could boast that he had fortune in a string but if that life be unto you less dear than is a painted bird upon a shield yet for my sake whom it doth touch more near let me entreat you to this motion yield if you were slain what joy could i have here death's soul from woe both could and should me shield nor fear i death my only grief would be before my death thy woeful end to see thus earnestly fair dorilice dealt all that same night as in his arms she lies and as she spake the tears distill and melt in watery streams down from her crystal eyes the tartar that no little passion felt to comfort her saith all he can devise and wipes her cheeks and her sweet lip doth kiss and weeps for company and answers this ah do not grieve thyself so sore my dear ah do not grieve thyself for such a toy pluck up thy sprites and be of better cheer there is no cause of fear mine only joy no though that all the kings and captains here had sworn my death and vowed mine annoy yet all the kings and captains i would vanquish why then should you causeless in sorrow languish what did not i with truncheon of a spear you know yourself whether i say the truth not having sword or other weapon there win you from all your guard and shall a youth a beardless boy cause you my safety fear and breed in you so unadvised ruth well might you deem i were a dastard lout if of rogero i should stand in doubt gradasso though unto his grief and shame yet if one ask him cannot it gainsay that when he last unto soraya came i met and took him prisoner by the way yet he is of another manner fame than is rogero you yourself will say i had him there a prisoner at my will and if i listed might have kept him still 
and lest i should of this good witness want beside gradasso there be hundreds more as namely isolir and sacrapant whom i set free and had great thanks therefore also the famous griffin and aquilant that there were taken but few days before with divers more both turkish and baptized that by my force were taken and surprised their wonder in those countries still doth last of that great value i that time did show and should i now a doubt or peril cast am i in greater danger now you trow shall one young youth me hand to hand aghast shall i now doubt his force or fear his blow now having durandana by my side and hector's armor on my back beside why did not i as pointed was by lot with rodomont first bloody battle wage that by his ill success you might for what the speedy end of this young sorry page dry up these tears my dear and bring me not before the combat such an ill presage nor think an eagle or a target painted moves me hereto but doubt of honor tainted thus much said he but she such answer made him with words expressing such a loving moan as were not only able to persuade him but might i think have moved a marble stone the force was great wherewith she did invade him in fine so far she conquers him alone he grants thus far to be at her devotion if peace be offered to accept the motion and so i think indeed he would have done had not rogero early in the morn got up before the rising of the sun and entered in the lists and blown his horn to show that he the battle would not shun and that jove's bird by him was justly born which either he will carry on his shield or else will leave his carcass in the field but when the tartar fierce did hear that sound and that his men thereof had brought him word he thinks great shame should unto him redound if any treaty he of peace afford arm arm he cries and straight he arms him round and by his side he hangs his trusty sword and in his countenance he looks so grim scarce dorilus herself dare speak to him and armed at all pieces up in haste he gets and that same courser he bestrides that was that christian champions in times past who now doth run his wits and sense besides and thus he comes unto the lists at last the place that all such quarrels still decides the king and all his court soon after came and now ere long begins the bloody game now on their heads their helmets are made fast now are the lances put into their hands now was the token given by trumpets blast which both the horse and horseman understands now in a full career they gallop fast and either strongly to his tackle stands now with such force the tongue the t'other strake as though that heaven did fall and earth did shake the argent eagle comes on either side with wings displayed on either captain's shield the bird which jove man say was seen to ride though better winged o'er the thessalian field as for their mighty strength and courage tried their massy spears sufficient witness yield nor stirred they more with those tempestuous knocks than wind stirs towers or waves to stir the rocks the splinters of the spears flew to the sky as turpin writeth that was present there and were on fire by having been so nigh unto the scorching of the fiery spear the champions out their swords draw by and by as those that neither sword nor fire did fear and either thrusteth at the t'other's face and seeks by force the t'other to displace 
they never sought to hurt each other's steed not that they made together such accord but that they deemed it an unworthy deed not worthy of a worthy knight or lord of base revenge they count that act proceed and meet of noble minds to be abhorred so that in those days none were known to kill a horse except it were against his will upon their visors both do strike at once and though the same were firm and plated double as being made of proof and for the nonce yet did the force of such fell strokes them trouble and still they lay on load as thick as stones of hail that often turn the corn to stubble i think it needless further to allege if they have strength or if their swords have edge yet long they fought together in that field ere any sign of any blow was left such wary heed each took himself to shield but durandan at last fell with such heft full on the circle of rogero's shield that halfway through the argent bird it cleft and pierced the coat of mail that was within and found a passage to the very skin the cruel blow made many hearts full cold of such as wished well to rogero's part for most of those that stood by to behold rogero favored in their mind and heart so that afore to say one might be bold if fortune follow with the greater part fierce mandricard were slain or else should yield so that this blow offended half the field but surely some good angel i believe the force of this so fearful stroke abated rogero though the wound him somewhat grieve yet was his mind therewith no whit amated great usury he mindeth him to give and that the strife may quickly be debated he frankly strikes with his whole force and might full on the helmet of the tartar knight with so great force and fury came the blow as to the teeth no doubt had cloven his head saving by what mishap i do not know but want of heed that too much haste had bred it lighted flatling on him else i trow that stroke alone had him most surely sped but as it was it made his head so idle he opened both his hands and loosed his bridle good brilliador that felt the slacked rein i think still mourning for his master's change ran up and down at random on the plain his senseless rider suffering him to range who when he came unto himself again and saw his horse to run a course so strange a spurned viper hath not so much wrath nor wounded lion as the tartar hath he clapped the spurs to brilliadoro's side and on his stirrups he himself advances and to his foe with fury he doth ride and up on high his right arm he enhances to strike a blow but when rogero spied his arm lie ope as oft in fight it chances he chopped his sword's point under t'other's arm and pulled it out with blood both wet and warm by which he did not only maim his foe by letting blood upon so large a vein but baited much the fury of the blow which notwithstanding fell with force so main as made rogero stagger to and fro and mazed his head and dazed his eyes with pain and much it was that time for his behoof to have his helmet of so good a proof but having now again recovered force and as it were new wakened from his dream upon the tartar prince he turned his horse and on his thigh he strikes with strength extreme that through the steel he did the sword enforce out spins the blood in pure vermilion stream naught could avail enchanted hector's arms against his sword with stronger tempered charms the tartar feeling to his great disease his body wounded as he little thought did rage as terrible as do the seas with highest winds and strongest tempests wrought he curseth heavens his smarting pangs to ease 
the shield that had the bird for which he fought away he hurleth from him for the nonce and to his sword he sets both hands at once ah quoth rogero too plain trial this is that to that eagle thou no title hast that first didst with thy sword cut mine in pieces and now thine own away from thee dost cast thus much said he but whatsoever he says he must the force of durindana taste which fell upon his forehead with such might a mountain might have seemed to fall as light i say the blow upon his forehead fell but yet his beaver saved it from his face it happened at that time for him full well that in the hollow there was so much space yet harmless quite to scape him not befell for why the sword that ever cuts apace did pierce his plated saddle and beside an inch did enter into rogero's side thus each with crimson had his armor dyed and blood did stream from both a double way yet hitherto it could not be descried on whither side would chances balance sway at last rogero did that doubt decide with that same sword that ever home doth pay and where the t'other's target wants there just rogero pays him with a speeding thrust the blade gainst which prevails no magic art his curates pierced and ribs and flesh it tore and found a passage to the naked heart now must the tartar prince for evermore in sword and painted shield forsake his part not only so but that which grieves him more he must forsake his much beloved life more loved honor and most loved wife the wretch yet unrevenged did not die but gave hard recompense ere he departed at good rogero's head he doth let fly and had no doubt the same in sunder parted save that his arm was maimed and so thereby much of his force from thence had been divarted much of his force divarted was from thence before when for his arm he wanted fence but as it was yet too too hard it fell and caused the noble knight great pain to feel his helmet it did cleave though plated well and made for proof of tough well-tempered steel and in the very skull it clove a spell two fingers deep and made him backward reel he backward falls the pain was so exceeding with grievous wound his head most freshly bleeding rogero was the first that tumbled down and mandricardo fell a good while after all thought rogero dead because his crown still bled but chiefly stordilano's daughter joys that her spouse had won this fight's renown now hopes she she shall turn her tears to laughter and as she thought so was the common voice so that the tartar's friends did all rejoice but when there did appear by certain signs the live man living and the dead man slain then dorelice wrings her hands and whines and grief came there and comfort here again the chiefest part whose favor all inclines unto rogero are full glad and fain and gratulate his good success and grace him and run to him and in their arms embrace him nor was this show of love dissimulation but true unfeigned kindness and good faith but yet gradasso's faint congratulation makes men surmise he thinks not as he saith he secretly envies such reputation though outwardly the flatterer he plays and curseth were it destiny or chance that to this enterprise did him advance but agrament 
that ever did before do him great honor and him well esteem now he doth him admire extol adore so highly of his value he doth deem in him alone he puts affiance more than all his camp together it should seem now that the seed of agricane was spent and rodomont gone thence a malcontent what should i tell the praise that many a lady gave of this knight of africa and of spain who knew that mandricardo was no baby and saw him now by this man's value slain yea doleful dorilis herself it may be save that for modesty she must refrain would have been moved with a small request to speak as well of him as did the rest i say it may be but i cannot tell for why before unconstant she was proved and sure rogero's parts did so excel as any lady doubtless might have moved while t'other lived perhaps she liked him well but now to seek anew it her behooved such one as she herself might able warrant to ride both day and nightly on her errand now brought the king rogero with great care to his own tent that there he may be cured the best physicians thither sent for are to search his wounds they straight his life assured the shield and arms that mandricardo bare the which this bloody battle first procured all save the sword that was gradasso's right were hanged up by his bed's head that night howbeit that brave courser brilliador rogero needs would give unto the king who took it thankfully and set more store by that same steed than any such like thing but hereof now a while i treat no more first must you hear what news the maid did bring i mean hippolca to her mistress dear whom love had made to be of heavy cheer she told her first what hap to her befell how frontine by a turk was ta'en away and after how she found at merlin's well ricardo and rogero that same day to whom she did her hard adventure tell and how rogero went with her straightway to win the horse out of the pagan's fist but at that season he his purpose missed also she told to bradamant the cause why her dear love himself did now absent who promised her to take a little pause and then her mind most thoroughly content in fine hippolca from her bosom draws that letter which was to her mistress sent who so much less did seem to like the letter because she would have liked his presence better forsith before she did himself expect now paper in his steed to have and ink it causeth her to fear and to suspect and made some doubts into her thoughts to sink yet liked she well the meaning and effect and kissed the letter off and sure i think had burned it with the heat of her desire save that the tears she shed did quench that fire she read the writing o'er five times or six the words the phrase the sense her pleased so well and then she made the maid each time betwixt the message that rogero sent to tell and save he did so short a time prefix to come to her and a with her to dwell i think she never would have ceased mourning till she had seen or heard of his returning rogero to apolka promised had fifteen or twenty days at most to stay and her to tell her mistress so he bade but swearing to come sooner if he may but ne'ertheless good bradamant is sad still doubting chances to prolong that day all things said she to fortune are subjected and chief in wars that are by chance directed i my rogero 
who could once have thought sith i more than myself esteemed thee that thou by any means couldst have been brought to bear thy very foes more love than me whom thou shouldst hurt by thee their help is sought whom thou shouldst save by thee they spoiled be needs must i blame thy negligent regarding as well in punishing as in rewarding trojano slew thy sire i think thou knowest for sure the stones it know yet to his son thou think'st in honour thou such duty owest that thou must see no hurt may him be done is this sufficient a revenge thou trowest think'st thou true fame can by such facts be won lo unto what thy show of honours tends to serve thine enemies and slay thy friends thus bradamant spake to her absent love with passion great and evermore her maid with reason seeks that fancy to remove assuring her she need not be afraid and wishing her with patient mind to prove if so he would not do as he had said and that she would in all things hope the best and then to god and fortune leave the rest with this good speech of hers and strong persuasion she doth his coming till the day expect which good rogero break not by occasion that he his word and promise did neglect but that which happed against his expectation his wounds had bred so dangerous effect but chief the same he last took in his head which made him forty days to keep his bed now pradamant doth wait the twenty days and stayed at montalbano with her mother and making still inquiry many ways if she might hear some news of one or other but none she heard save that which to his praise was told her after by her younger brother which though she joyed to hear as was most meet yet mingled was some sour with that same sweet for why the value of marphisa stout which did assist them greatly as he told to win their kinsmen from the moorish rout that unto bertolage should have been sold this bred in bradamante's mind some doubt and strake into her heart a jealous cold because twas said they two together went to agrament that in his camp was pent for though she could not choose but greatly praise her that did herself so stout and valiant prove yet on the t'other side her beauty fraise her lest he perhaps on her might set his love but yet in fine hope of his promise stays her so that in twenty days she did not move from montalbano and in that same place there thither came the chief man of her race i mean not chief of birth but chief of name for two there were in birth more old than he rinaldo unto montalbano came his brothers cousins and his friends to see whom he had heard by speech of flying fame now safe arrived at that place to be and how rogero and marphisa wrought their liberty when they were sold and bought wherefore he came to see them face to face and understand with them how each thing stood it seemed he was as welcome to the place as is the swallow to her tender brood that almost starved and in sorry case have long expected sustenance and food and when they there had stayed a day or twain both they and he to paris went again alardo and guichardo richardet and melegigi and good vivienne close after this brave lord themselves to get and bradamant with them they would obtain but she alleged she could not come as yet but hopes ere long they should be overtain she praised them for that time content to hold them for why she was not well at ease she told them and true it was she was not well at ease not that she had a fit of any fever or any other corporal disease 
it was a fit of love that burneth ever whose heat no herb nor physic can appease this fit did her from that brave crew dissever but in another book i shall repeat what succor they did bring to charles the great end of book thirty